0: You are Locked On 49ers, your daily San Francisco 49ers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Welcome to Locked On 49ers, part one of my conversation with Eric Procker, one of my favorite guests here on the pod. He's been on with me numerous times. Love talking corners, love talking wide receivers with Proc. Today we're gonna get a little bit into wide receivers and a conversation on corners coming in part two. And intertwined is, of course, the topic of quarterbacks, which is massive right now, especially with uh, the latest going on and some of the rumors. And now the press conference with Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch. Did they tip it? Did they not tip what the pick is going to be? Uh, more on the quarterback stuff with Nick Winkler on the Winky Wednesday pod this week. But let's talk a little bit about what the 49ers could be doing on day two and beyond of the NFL draft with today's guest, Eric Crocker. At Eric underscore Crocker, former professional cornerback. Uh, That's why I brought him on the show today to talk corners. We talk corners before every draft, I think, for the last at least three years. Right, Eric? Maybe even the last four years. I've done locked on 49ers now for 4 years. I started in 2017. We me, Eric and I were talking off the air about podcast stuff and how much the game has changed, <laughs> what's going on now and, and Crocker's all over the place. He's got his podcast with louder, Rob louder doing the Striking Gold podcast. He's got Crock Talk TV on YouTube. He's got the Patreon account, uh the Crocker Report. I mean, he's all over the place this guy. Uh, Crocker, I got to say you might be the hardest working man in the business right now like you're everywhere you're doing everything all the time and you're all about it like I love the attitude I love the positive vibes and I love how good your breakdowns are and the way you break it down is something that I can understand because I never played corner I was always trying to beat corners when I played ball and I didn't play that much ball here's the thing people couldn't cover me you know so when I watch you (laughs) when I watch you break down corners I was like see if guys in like ninth grade knew that they might have been able to shut me down, but they couldn't. So that's why I appreciate yeah. Eric Crocker. And so, yeah, I love the content you're bringing all the time on Twitter and everywhere. It's fantastic. And so thanks for joining me today.
1: Oh, yeah. Anytime. You know, anytime I get a chance to. I've been obsessed with football since I was a little kid. You know, I, I tell people all the time, like when I was in the fourth grade, I used to, watch, you know, record 49er games on my VCR. And, um, you know, I record those on Sunday and then watch them throughout the week. Yeah. And then use that same tape to like, you know, I rewind it and then record over it (laughs) until basically it was kind of burned out. And I would do that. So (laughs) like my kind of passion for it goes way, way, way back. And it's just I've been just a fan of the game, even though I played. I remember being in the NFL and being in the meeting room and Tim McDonald be like, you know, okay, so when number 11 does this, and I'm like, you, you mean Edelman? Like, you know what I'm saying? It's like, they call people by their numbers, not yeah, their like, names, but I me. played with
0: that dude on Madden. What are you talking about? Why you gotta yeah, talk about... Yeah, but... That's what's crazy. You know, so there's... Hold on. Like, sorry to to disrupt your your story uh, there, but that's what and, and we're in the silliest season of them all in draft season right now and and this is the craziest draft ever I can imagine especially for 49ers fans like maybe we could talk about that for a minute I mean I brought you on to talk corners if we start talking about the press conference it's going to derail the entire podcast
1: but there's <laughs>
0: something about that and, and and it strikes a nerve with me and coaches do it and you hear it with the anonymous scouts and you see all these reporters who are or have been in with years for all these different scouts and and personnel people. And they talk is like, oh, this kid does that. The kid from North Dakota State, number five, number 11. They talk about numbers like this is a human being. He's got a name. And that's that's always something that's rubbed me the wrong way. It's it's really strange. And I know it's just like football speak and it's the way they do it in the industry. And it's the way football people talk about prospects and players. But there's something weird about that. And it dehumanizes everybody.
1: Yeah, well, in the NFL, I mean, I was a number most of the time. And I'm on the team, right? Like 41, <laughs> you know? Um, It was refreshing to hear, like, Rex Ryan call me by my name. And and I think Rex Ryan, he was different. Like, he was – Rex was – he was, like, the ultimate players coach. Obviously, like, he was an X's and O's coach. His dad created an entire defense. He knew it, like the back of his hand. But he also was, like, the master motivator. And I, I think Rex – that probably was the best head coach I've ever been around, just with how well-rounded he was and how like he made you feel like he could run through a wall, but also like just the teacher that he was. I think that's an underrated part about being a coach, you know, being a teacher, and he was an amazing mm-hmm. teacher. I still remember things to this day that he taught us, and that was, what, eight years ago, seven years ago? And I remember just because of the way that he taught me.
0: Who was the toughest player you ever had to cover? College, junior college, NFL, AFL. Who was the toughest cover for you?
1: Oh man, you would think it would be like Stephen Hill because Stephen Hill he was like six four and he ran into four twos. But
0: <laughs> yeah, you saw him yeah, in actually, practice every day, right? But like, yeah. oh, I love Stephen Hill. By the way, coming out of Georgia Tech, I was like, oh, this is the guy. Are you kidding me? He runs four threes. He's like six four. It was like DK Metcalf before DK Metcalf, but he actually was the guy that. Scouts talked about how they, you know, the the bad version of what DK Metcalf was supposed to be. That's what Stephen Hill was, and DK Metcalf was actually the good version that I thought Stephen Hill was supposed to be when I was watching Stephen Hill.
1: Yeah, well, Stephen Hill wasn't as physically imposing as like a DK Metcalf, but I think just the hardest guy I've ever had to guard. There were a couple guys um, just off the top of my head, and they didn't even play in the NFL. Um, One, well, no, Armad did armada he's actually my blood cousin which i didn't find out until like later in my life because long story my my biological dad i didn't find out who, who he was until I was nine years old and then i have like all these other cousins in stockton i never knew about but anyways wow armada, and so there was
0: there was a guy that you were used to cover and then you realized he was related to you that's why he was so good
1: right like you know <laughs> i'm like wait a minute like we're cousins and like i've gone to like my biological grandma's house since and there's like pictures of him when he was a kid and stuff but um that's awesome. He um uh, he was with Tampa Bay for a while, but Armad was so fast, like so fast. He was like a 10 3, you know, 100 meter guy. Um he played, he was with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers for a while. Like he was just too fast. So he was really tough to guard. Um Lavelle Hawkins, he's another guy from Stockton. They actually went to the same high school, extremely tough. Can you my ben. guy DJ Stevens? Um, DJ Stevens, I went to college with him. I think he was the hardest because it was the It was the most difficult to figure out because we're talking about somebody that was about 5'11", 175 pounds, and he wasn't, like, blazing fast or anything, but you just couldn't guard him. Like, nobody could guard him, and I never understood it. Like, he's not the fastest. He's not the quickest. He's not big, but you just can't guard him. Like, somehow he just always makes the play, always just – I don't know. There was something about DJ Stevens, but um, he's probably probably the most difficult because – you don't understand why you can't guard them. <laughs>
0: yeah. It's uh, the, those route runners, man, the guys. And I feel like Devonte Smith is that guy for this class. And people are like, I oh, was too skinny. Uh, and they're, they're talking about waddle over Devonte Smith. And I, I don't know, man, I was watching Devonte Smith. We were talking about Devonte Smith last year and be like, look, Jerry Judy's awesome. Maybe the best in the class last year. And Devonte Smith is better. So, like whoever yeah. gets Devonte Smith and they're talking about him sliding out of the top 10 and he might even get down there a little ways. That's a, that's one of the seals of the draft, right?
1: Yeah. And I mean, I understand them sliding out the t- top 10. If it's me, like the only pass catcher I'm drafting in the top 10 is Kyle Pitts. I just think it's too like easy nowadays to get guys that are very productive, like throughout the draft, whether it's first round, second round, third round, like you're getting guys who are extremely productive, like, Say if somebody goes in the third round, let's say, or second round, let's say, uh, Diami Brown or let's say Terrace Marshall, like maybe they go in the second round. I think they'll be just as productive as probably Jamar Chase, you know. So, just when I look at it like that, it's like, man, I especially in the top 10, let me prioritize something that's a little bit harder to get production out of than something I can kind of manufacture production with. Like, let's, I, I'd rather go offensive line, or if there was an edge rusher, you know, something like that, or maybe even like a corner, because at least a corner you have to like you just need your corner to be good. <laughs> you know, you, it's not like you can't hide him or anything. Um, so Kyle Pitts, he's a unicorn. He's a tight end. And there's nothing like him at all. Like that I've ever really seen come out. So I go with him in the top 10 as a pass catcher, but receivers, I probably hold off. So that's just my opinion. The kind of, the way I see the NFL going, mm-hmm. that kind of leads me to that, like, direction where it's like, uh yeah, the, I'd hold off on a uh, receiver in the top ten.
0: The mismatch is more important, and we, we've seen too many top 15-type wide receivers where you think they look the part that don't work out, and, like, there's way too many really good second-day wide receivers that have turned out. Like, I, I think it's not like it's not like running backs. It's not to that degree, but I think wide receivers, like, it's one of those positions like, Man, top 10, give me a pass rusher, a quarterback, um and even at this tackle. point, yeah, tackle obviously, and at this point even tight end. If you're that good, if you are a mismatch player, that's what I'm looking for in this day and age in the NFL and those wide receivers, you got to be special. You got to be Calvin Johnson, Julio Jones right. or uh, I I I can't get behind that in the in the top 10. So right. Anyway, like well, I I guess so I brought you on. I want to talk corners for sure, and we'll have some time to do that. I want to talk wide receivers as well with you. But one note on that struck me when you were talking about the, the hardest guys to cover, and for those who don't know, Eric Crocker's got some length. You're a lengthy corner. Like The 49ers would have loved you coming out, right? You were ahead of your time a little right. bit, I think. And you know, you go about 6'2", 190 back in your playing days, something like that, 195 maybe? Yeah, yeah,
1: close to 200.
0: Okay. Yeah. So you got length, you got athleticism. And, but for you, the hardest guy to cover is the shorter, smaller, quicker guy.
1: Oh, 100%. And that's why I try to get people to understand like, they look at Devontae Adams and it's like, oh, he's 166 pounds. Like, he's, he's either, you, you're just, they're going to manhandle him at the line of scrimmage. And what people don't understand is, the smaller guys, at least for me, and what I've seen, if you kind of look at guys, what they kind of struggle with, look at, you know, Richard Sherman, how he kind of struggled being able to, like, you know, press guys like Odell Beckham. Like, it's typically the guys that are shorter and have re- really good short area quickness, especially when you're a bigger guy. Because if you try really hard to press, like, okay, this guy's little, I'm just going to get hands on him. And if you try to go and shoot your hands in that way, a lot of times you'll stop your feet. And if you stop your feet, you lock your hips. If you lock your hips, now it makes it a little bit harder to, like, turn and run. So from that standpoint, your clock gets sped up and you start chasing. And, w- and once you're chasing, all your technique goes out the window. So if he ends up running a 10-yard stop, you'll see the corner continue to go upfield. A lot of it starts with what happens at the line of scrimmage. So with those smaller guys, people think, like, oh, just get hands on them. But really, you want to play more feet beforehand. So you want to use your feet to get in position to work to get hands-on. A lot of times with those quicker guys like that, by the time you're kind of getting in position, they're already kind of running downfield, and you can't just really get hands-on them at that standpoint. So typically guys like Devontae Smith, they are a lot harder than you know trying to guard a guy like Jamar Chase, who isn't as quick, sudden, or twitchy at the line of scrimmage. He wants to play bully ball with everything. I'd much rather guard that because I know at the end of the day, I'm going to be in position to make a play. Now i got to make the play, and he's great at the catch point. But at least I know I'm going to be there. With the smaller guys, it's a little bit tougher because they're craftier and they can make you really look stupid, especially in space. So that's kind of the difference between especially a bigger corner trying to guard somebody that's smaller or skinnier like a Devontae Smith.
0: Right. And so the 49ers aren't in a position where they're going to draft Devontae Smith or Jamar Chase or Kyle Pitts unless they shock the world and draft Kyle Pitts at number three, which I I think I would at this point be okay with over – A certain quarterback that is like, oh, God, this (laughs) draft season is so insane. All right. I don't want to get into the quarterback stuff quite. Maybe I'll ask you one question about quarterbacks next, but I want to talk maybe a little bit about wide receivers. We got to talk day two, day three. We're talking wide receivers and especially cornerbacks with Eric Crocker coming up. Been talking a lot about props at BetOnline.ag, but we got win totals up for The 2021 NFL season, hmm, could those change a little bit post-draft? The Kansas City Chiefs, 12 and a half over under on wins. Their opening total was 11 and a half last year. 14 wins in 2020. Is that an easy over for the Kansas City Chiefs who have been to -to back-to-back Super Bowls? What about the champs, Tampa Bay Buccaneers? Their over under four wins in 2021 is 12. What about your team? Jacksonville Jaguars, six wins, be a nice improvement for Jacksonville. And I think they have a quarterback and a head coach, first timers in the NFL that are not used to losing. BetOnline.ag draft props over unders on win totals in 2021, NBA, NHL, Major League Baseball, table games, poker. All you got to do to get involved in the action is head to the website at betonline.ag or the mobile app. Use promo code LOCKEDON when signing up to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. We got to talk quarterbacks. This is Tuesday. The press conference happened Monday, and I haven't had a podcast after the presser. And by the way, anybody who wants to to get in on that, hit me at BDPeacock on Twitter. Nick and I, on the Winky Wednesday with Nick Winkler, we're going to talk a lot about the press conference, what we think about that. Just real quick, though, after the press conference, I have been all along, it's like, it's Justin Fields. Everything, to me, points Justin Fields, except for the media speculation and some of the national media. Is that being fed? Is it not? Hearing Kyle Shanahan and how defensive he was, I came away with the press conference thinking it's Mac Jones. Like it's for sure going to be Mac Jones. How did you feel about the press conference? And what'd you come away with that? Just big picture. I don't want to get too deep into it right now because that's going to be too many podcasts worth with Eric Crocker. I want (laughs) to keep it to one. I always keep you for two. That happens a lot. That's how you know I love my guests is when it ends up being a two-part series, right? And that happens a lot with Eric Crocker. So just real quick, what was the big takeaway from you from the press conference with Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch talking about that pick at number three?
1: I got the same vibe as you did. And it's crazy because I used the exact same words as you, like almost like Kyle Shanahan was defensive and almost trying to like prepare us for what was coming. That was what I took from it. There are a lot of other people that said, What? Like I heard the complete opposite. And I think that's just a lot of people going into it like kind of non-objectively and not really looking at the bigger picture of what he was saying. Everything to me it sounded like he was saying, Listen, we know what we're doing, trust the process. We're gonna draft this guy. Even, you know, if you were fine with him at 12, you should be fine with him at three. And I don't care about the draft capital that we gave up, even if you guys think we shouldn't have gave up that much for him. But it is what it is. And ultimately, we're the ones that have to live with the decision. So those are pretty much kind of his words, not word for word, but along those lines. And yeah, I took away the same thing as you did.
0: That was amazing. And uh, I was like, yeah, you know what? I wouldn't have taken him at 12 either, dude. So I don't know which quarterback you're talking about, (laughs) but it must not be Mac Jones, right? So uh, I
1: right. think because a lot of people are like, why trade up to three when you could get him at 12? Right. I, I think that's what he's responding to.
0: It's it's amazing. Even I've though to, he says
1: he doesn't pay any attention to social media.
0: Oh, my God. I've got so many thoughts about this press conference. It's hard for me because I had this week planned out. I want to talk corners today. And, and there's been so <laughs> much talk on this podcast about number three. And they dropped the, the press conference. And I was like, oh, shoot. The press conference is going to happen. It's going to screw up my schedule this week because I wanted to talk corners. But. I'll talk more about the press conference, more about pick number three with Nick Winkler tomorrow. I brought my guest today, Eric Crocker, on to talk wide receivers and especially corners, but real quick, wide receivers. So day two, do you think the 49ers should target a wide receiver early in this draft as early as potentially pick 43? Is that a later need for you? Corner to me is a huge need, and I'd be shocked if the 49ers don't target a corner at pick 43. And who knows? This is an aggressive team. They think they're ready to compete and be in a Super Bowl, and they just were not that long ago. So I can see why they would think that about their roster. Maybe there's not enough roster spots for nine draft picks. Could they even move up to try to snag a corner or a wide receiver at the end of round one? Like, what are your thoughts? Where did the 49ers attack those two positions this year?
1: Yeah, I I think there are a few positions that are really all tied together. Um, Specifically, if I had to prioritize them, I would say cornerback, edge, and receiver. Like, to me, I have them all in that same kind of tier as far as the knee goes. Like, receiver, you have... You got a a couple guys, right? You got Debo Samuel, who's... Excuse me, is kind of like half of receiver, (laughs) you know? And then you have Ayu, who's... So this is...
0: Debo... I'd be pissed if I was Debo. Debo's a legitimate receiver. He can get downfield. He can run routes. I've seen him posterize guys and go up and catch the ball down the field. He was used as solely a gadget player last year and I thought that was sort of unfair to him for his skill set and I thought it was a little bit weird and it was almost foretelling in a way that Kyle Shanahan was annoyed with his situation with his quarterbacks and was like look I'm just gonna throw one yard like or negative three yard shovel passes to my wide receivers because this is BS because I don't trust my quarterbacks that was one of the weirdest developments of the entire season, because I think Debo's a legitimate wide receiver that can get open on all three levels of the field. Like he's really a good run after catch guy, obviously, but he's not someone who's just a gadget player. That, that was an odd development to me last year.
1: Yeah. It's the, and that was, I think that speaks to a lot about, you know, the, the quarterback and how he felt like he had to utilize guys. I know Rob louder and I were talking about on the podcast saying, you know, we just want our receivers to do receiver things. And they were doing everything but that, and everything had to be, you know, after the catch, run after the catch. Now, with Debo Samuel, I look at it one of two ways. One, I I do think that he is much more than a receiver, but it's like, well, do you want to continue to utilize him in that way where, you know, they lined him up against the Patriots several times as a running back? Um, Do you kind of want to utilize him as more of or deploy him as an offensive weapon? And if so, I think, you know, you look at IU, you look at Debo, and then it's like, Muhammad Sanu or, you know, maybe Richie
0: James. Richie James. I think
1: so thin, especially if one of these guys can't stay healthy. So from that standpoint, I, I definitely think that receiver should be a priority and I would put it in that mix. And then from there, it would just kind of have to go where my draft board is. But you know, there, there are certain guys where I'm like, if this guy is here, you just have to take him and understand how he could work in your offense, especially, you know, whether you know, you have a new quarterback, Mac Jones or whoever, um, let, let's get him some weapons. Let's get him a plethora of weapons to where now we can open up things. Because one thing, and I know we're not supposed to be talking about quarterbacks, but if it is Mac Jones, he's an amazing ball distributor. And I think he does a good job of really expanding on the passing game that the 49ers have as far as being able to kind of throw at different levels of the field. So give him some more weapons. Get him a guy like you know, somebody that might be there in the second round, like a terrace marshall, who I think is great. He's I haven't given him my rankings yet, but he's up there. like He's yeah. up there, and he, but he's a guy that might be there early second round. You talked about potentially trading up. That's a guy that I would trade
0: up for. Definitely. There's been talk that Terrace Marshall has some lingering injury issues and he was rechecked in Indianapolis. There was no combine this year, but they're still doing the medical rechecks and all that stuff at Indy this year. And, he might tumble. There's there's talk that he could tumble and he could be within distance of the Niners. Maybe not even get to number 43, but get to the point where he's in the 30s and Niners can move up for Terrace Marshall. I think the size and that ability, because he can get deep, but he's also someone who I think Shanahan would look at and say, oh, he can run after the catch. He's, he's a player I like. Not that many receivers in this class that are 6'2 plus. So uh, Deami and, and Brown from North Carolina and... Terrace Marshall from LSU. Those are pretty intriguing names. Like, I'm all about Corner in the second round, but those are a couple names I could be convinced that the Niners should maybe, maybe go off script there if Corner is the position coming into it. If they're still around... And I think De'Ami Brown will be around, but Terrace Marshall, that's an interesting name to me for sure for the 49ers that uh, he could be somewhere close to 43. Like he could go super high as well. He might be the fourth wide receiver in this class, but I've seen some stuff recently that he could slip a little bit.
1: Well, I I hope he does. I mean, not, you know, selfishly, you know, obviously I want guys to make as much money as they can, but, you know, we're talking about somebody that's close to six foot three. Um, He works vertically from all uh, areas of the field. He's a legit outside receiver, which he primarily was in 2019 with LSU with, you know, Jefferson in the slot, Chase on the outside. He had 13 touchdowns that year. And then this past year, scores 10 touchdowns in seven games before opting out. Um, But they moved him and played him all over. Like, he was utilized as a true wide receiver one for LSU. So whether it was inside, where he looked like Muhammad Sanu, or outside, where he looked like Vadez Scantling, you know, as a vertical threat, like, he worked all areas of the field, not just... Looking at Kyle Shanahan and some of the guys that he's brought in as of late, even like a you know a Kendrick Bourne, where you know, he likes guys who can play inside and outside. And when you add the element of the contested catch that Terrace Marshall has, where he's terrific from that standpoint, 49ers don't have that. And I think that's something that they really need. So I see a lot of value in that pick. And not just value, I mean, he could be a legit wide receiver one slash wide receiver two, a great compliment to Ayuk and
0: Debo Samuel. Crock is going to tell us which wide receiver the 49ers will absolutely be selecting on day two next. A big reason to repair and maintain your vehicle is to save money. And because chain stores have different price tiers for professional mechanics and do-it-yourselfers, rockauto.com's prices are the same for everybody and always reliably low. rockauto.com always offers the lowest prices possible rather than charging prices based on what the market will bear like airlines do. Uh, RockAuto.com is for everybody and does not require membership or account login. Just go head over to RockAuto.com. The website is super easy to use. Find whatever you need for any, and I mean any, make or model of car or truck. RockAuto.com is a family owned business serving auto parts customers for 20 years online. They have everything you need, tail lamps, motor oil, jumper cables, small parts, big parts, aftermarket kits, whatever you need to get your car looking and performing its best. Get everything you need in a few easy clicks and get it delivered directly to your door. Go to rockauto.com right now. See all the parts available for your car or truck right locked on in their how did you hear about us box so they know we sent you amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. RockAuto.com. If the 49ers go wide receiver at 43, who do you think is the best player that could be there that you would like them to take?
1: Yeah. Well, okay. So obviously I like him, but if not him, then i'm you mentioned Diami Brown. I love Diami Brown's film as well. I think the best is yet to come for him. I think some people, if they just kind of like, I mean, highlights will probably make them look cool because of the vertical catches. But if somebody just, you know, doesn't, I don't want to say they don't know what they're looking at when they watch all 22. But if they just kind of look at it in the eyes of he's supposed to look like other people, they're going to miss a lot of little things. Um, Obviously, the thing that jumps out right away is his vertical threat ability. But he has little nuances to his game that are terrific. I think his releases at the line of scrimmage and his craftiness is great. His feet are great. I think he has really nice suddenness and twitchiness. I think when he wants to play really fast and push guys vertically and sit his routes down, he does a good job of that. Um, He's really smooth. He has little nuances when he's going vertical as a threat. He can either just run straight by you. Yeah. He those gives you little, half steps.
0: Those little double moves he makes on those deep routes. Yeah. And they're they're, so, they're, so they're subtle. They're not like big, like he's not running a chair route. You know, he's not running out and up. He just like give you a little something. He's so good at that. And part of me wonders, like, because his 40 time wasn't amazing. It was four, four, six, which is fine. He wasn't blazing four twos like everybody else at their freaking pro days this year. So it's hard to know exactly how fast these guys are. But he was so good at getting open deep, and it's a skill.
1: So That was a half step that you saw. So a half step is essentially like what it sounds like. Like you're taking kind of like half of a step. But by the time the cornerback reacts to it, you're already gone. So that's why you see that huge like separation that it yes. creates. It's tough. And my, my my comp for him was Devontae, Devontae Adams because I thought they had like a lot of the similar subtleties to their games and how they were able to win vertically, maybe not being like a pure blazer, but still being able to win over the top as well as underneath. The thing with him is, you know, um, and I'm talking about Dami Brown, they left him on the outside. Like, it's just like, you're just a left receiver and you're only running three routes from there. You ran go route, uh, out route, stop route, you know, occasionally a poster slant. So you had to really watch a bunch of film really piece things together, really understand like his movement skills and what he's capable of doing. And then visualize that in the office where he lines up outside, motions down to a tight split or a bunch, um, you know, start utilizing him to run different routes. He has the ability. They just didn't do it at UNC. So I'm really high on him. I think he has some big time ability, but other people might not be as high because maybe again, I don't want to say they don't know what they're looking at, but they might not know what they're looking at. with him. <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, what about Dave? Th- like, well, so l- let's, let's, Talk third round pick, which is 102, it is almost two rounds difference between the 49ers' second round pick and the third round pick. So let's start late third round, all the way through the end of the draft. Is there any receivers that you love for the 49ers that could be drafted and say, that late third, early fourth, fifth round range where they got three picks? Like any wide receivers you love in that range?
1: Yeah. um And I'm actually, I, I believe I mentioned them on your pod before, but Jonathan Adams out of Arkansas State. Um, he is an above-the-rim guy. He's great in contested catch area, especially in the red zone. Um, Obviously, 49ers can definitely utilize somebody that has that ability. He's a bigger guy. He was listed at 6'3", but I think he measured in around 6'2 or so. Um, He really reminds me a lot of Brian Edwards, who I was really high on last year. Um, Now, he didn't do, you know, all this in the SEC. He played in Arkansas State with a Sunbelt or something like that. But he shows all the ability. I thought the way he was kind of competing against Georgia in 2019 – he was competing his butt off. They were just throwing him the ball where there was downfield underneath. They utilized him in all areas, screen game, everything. And he looked really good doing a lot of those things. I think he's a guy that might slip a little bit and be a day three guy. But if you're able to get him, especially with the 49ers and what they've been able to get out of rookies as far as production goes, he'd be somebody who, you know, I, I think would fit right in. And now the one thing you don't know about some of these guys that you don't hear a lot about you know what's his mindset like? What type of character he has, and all those type of things. But from a pure film standpoint, he would be really a nice uh, addition.
0: Now we know that Kyle Shanahan is not going to draft a wide receiver who's six foot two or taller, or maybe even <laughs> six feet or taller. So, what about the slot guys? Are there any slot wide receivers? Like the more I watch Elijah Moore, the more I like him. But I think everyone likes him. and I think he might go actually really high and could even sneak into the end of the first round. Um, Chaelin Darden is a small school guy was it North Texas is that where he's from uh, that everyone likes yeah. on day three are there any sort of slot type receivers if Shanahan continues wanted to have all slots all day long as his wide receivers and look if if he's drafting Mac Jones maybe he, he needs some more catch and run guys and he's not going to look at the more downfield linear players although Mac Jones can throw a pretty deep ball at times I I hate that Mac Jones has become like the the ultimate punchline, like he's garbage. He's not complete garbage. He just shouldn't be drafted number three overall. Shouldn't be trading up for him at number three. But he's a you know, he's an okay player and the forty ers would be fine with him and he'd probably be be better off. Like the 49ers are probably the best team for him. Maybe he's not the best player for the 49ers, in my opinion, but um it, are there any players that are maybe not the the more linear downfield guys that I think the 49ers should target who I thought the 49ers should target for the last four years and they never do we know Shanahan's gonna want some catch and run guys some more slot type receivers are there any of those types you could see in and up 49ers in this draft
1: oh yeah it, it, second round in that range I, I like how you just rattled off that little rant about Mac Jones. But, um in that in that range I feel, range I, I feel now,
0: almost bad for Mac Jones a little bit because yeah. he didn't sign up for this. He's going to be hated. And like he already yeah. well, is hated he, by 49ers. I been positive. Like, everyone's like, I've been gonna, positive about him on the, on on the, on the
1: pod. Yeah, and,
0: and people right? buy his jerseys and buy in, I'm sure. And there's there's I, I, ain't I buying think, a jersey though. I think <laughs> we see we, I think we see like a louder vocal group, I think most 49ers fans who maybe aren't on Twitter and aren't as plugged into some of this and didn't have pre conceived notions will just be like who'd the 49ers draft let me buy that jersey right and so we there's probably a lot more of that going on and people will give him at least some time and some people will just hate him forever no matter what even if he's great but um and it's not his fault and it's all it's unfortunate he's been thrust into this position of being someone who could be drafted number three like that's it's not his fault and like look and i've been part of that because and and eric you probably too because i think you are someone who people respect your stance on things right and when you're like well I don't think he should be the pick and I'm over here like I don't think he should be the pick and just about everybody else who's a respected voice in the draft world's like what are the 49ers doing I don't think he should be the pick I think that sort of you know ruminates with people and it's unfortunate because that's not Mac Jones's fault so I I do want to get that out there even though I do believe he should not be the pick. So anyway. Yeah, uh, I, I,
1: yeah, I tweeted out that he just got caught in the crossfire and he's kind of like just an innocent yeah. bystander. But if the 49ers do go out and get him some help, you know, if they draft him and they want to get him some help, second round, I think Rondell Moore is going to be there. And Rondell Moore, he's he's a freak athlete. I think he's a true slot receiver. The issue is, you know, in Kyle Shanahan, kind of what he likes with Debo, Ayuk, and even Kendrick Bourne, they're able to line up anywhere on the field. now with. With uh, uh, Ron, Rondell Moore, he's only five seven, So you can't really line him up really on the outside like that, maybe, because he still can be a vertical threat. But your window of, like, how accurate you have to be, it just shrinks. Like, you have to be so accurate when somebody's smaller like that because it just – there's no, like, big catch radius, especially with a bigger rece- a cornerback that's probably draped all over him. So he has more pure slot. Capabilities, But I think he's terrific from there. You know, when you start talking about, you know, run after catch, being able to, uh, you know, have really nice short area quickness, being able to get open, I think he has that. I mean, you saw the long speed. He runs in the 4.3s. He's very physical, very tough. He's like a Debo Samuel in a five 5.7 yeah. frame.
0: And, like, Debo Samuel is but- already thick. And, like, if you just shrunk him down, that's kind of where, where Rondale Moore – like all, a different position, but I, I think there's, there's been some running backs in the past that like that, that's what he reminds me of, of like somebody who's
1: like a Sporos. Yeah. Like,
0: <laughs> like Darren Sprolls, is it's it. He's such a weird mismatch that you can't treat him like a normal player. But if you have the right offense and the right offensive coach, he could be utilized in such a way. that would be such a weapon And I have a team. I have a feeling teams aren't going to love him as as much of an athlete as he is, just because of his size. And he's had some injuries on top of it. So when you're small and you've had injuries, I think that compounds things, and and that can hurt a prospect. I think he might even sneak close to round three range, and at which case, I'd be all over Rondale Moore. Because when he was 5'9", he was a first-round player. And now that he's 5'7", I, I think teams might shy away, and we'll see how far he actually falls. But he's absolutely dynamic. And you know who would love that pick the most is probably Debo Samuel because now there would be a true gadget guy on the team so Debo can go back to playing a normal wide receiver position.
1: Well, well, listen to this, too. You know, um, there was another receiver that had kind of similar measurables as far as the height, but he was like a speedy guy. Andrew Hawkins. You remember him, like the shorter re- receiver? He was only 5'7". Yeah. So, yeah, when you look at somebody like Hawkins, who's listed at 5'7", when I just looked it up, I'm like, man, how tall was Hawkins? I think he was short. Yeah, he's listed at 5'7". He might even be shorter than that. So if he can kind of get off and carve out like a niche. And remember, Kyle Shanahan coached him. I, mean, I want to say, if Kyle Shanahan was with, with uh, Cleveland... The Browns? In yeah. Yeah, yeah in 2014, Brown. Hawkins had 824 yards, 63 catches. So he's somebody that Kyle Shanahan definitely utilized. So that's a smaller guy, kind of fits the same build. Uh, really tough to guard those type of guys. Look at his – if anybody wants to talk about a small receiver and the disadvantages, go watch his practice highlights and what he was doing to defensive backs. It was ridiculous, one of the craziest uh, highlights you'll ever see. So just um, somebody like him, if Ron, Rondell Moore definitely has someone – that I think he's definitely a pure receiver. Um, He's just small, so that it just kind of shrinks the area or room for error that a quarterback may have. But um, he's somebody definitely at 42. You want to start getting, if it's Mac Jones, you want to start getting him some weapons. He's somebody I would look to at, at, at round two for sure. That's a pure slot. The 49ers need that.
0: It's crazy. The 49ers still have needs at wide receiver with the resources they've put at that position recently. But I could see a slot. I could see an outside guy, maybe one of both, maybe even a move tight end player in this draft. But, next time with Croc we're gonna talk cornerbacks maybe a little QB as well but I want to get Crocker's thoughts on the corners in this class who could the 49ers take at 43 should they move up for a guy maybe later on day two round three maybe into day three uh, rounds four five maybe a player or two that fits the 49ers and again like wide receiver an outside guy and an inside guy potentially in the draft. More with Crocker coming up on Locked On 49ers.